Eddie, welcome back everybody to this week's episode of Breakthrough, a Dale Carnegie podcast. Uh, I'm your guest host, uh, Parker, and Faith is joining me as well on that full-time rotation. I'm super excited uh, for our guest today, uh, a local uh, fellow wolf pack and uh, and just someone that I'm excited about. He's got multiple talents and, and tons of experience to show for, uh, for his life. So excited to learn from him today. As a reminder, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. It's the easiest way to make sure you've got the notification every single time uh, that we put out a new episode. And if you haven't, follow us at Dale Carnegie East NC on Instagram. Just ahead as we're jumping in, because if I don't remind you, uh, then you'll forget. But hey, jumping into today's episode specifically, Jay Johnson Jr. at a very high level. He is a serial entrepreneur and high-performance athlete, but just to share a little bit of his accomplishments, he's an All-American track runner. He's won states in the 60-meter, the long jump, the 300-meter, and was ranked number one in the nation in the 60-meter. So I'm excited he gives a little bit of that unique performance uh, you know, perspective, but then also as a serial entrepreneur, uh, tons of accomplishments, but just to highlight a couple, he was offered a position at Y Combinator uh, at a company, a Y Combinator company called Pillar, uh, which enables creators to make more money online from their links, uh, kind of their uh, link in bio real estate um, for those influencers. And then Jay's time in San Francisco led him to start his own app, High Frequency Highway, that's grown to over 2,500 users in just two months since their launch. And that it, he's kind of using that um, funding to fund his brand uh, and light company, Clean Raise. So Jay, welcome to the podcast. So excited to dive into all that you've been able to accomplish and all that you've done in your career. But um, just to kick us off, tell us a little bit more about you and just and what gets you excited. How'd you get started in this whole uh, athlete and, and entrepreneur world? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, my entrepreneurship journey started at a really young age, mainly because my mom was an entrepreneur and I saw that, you know, how free she had her time. So she kind of exposed me to it like really early. And um, at 14 is when I started my first app. So I was building social media pages online and I wanted to actually monetize my social media audience. And the first thought I had was creating an app. I didn't know coding at the time. So I taught myself, you know, the basics of coding and then pushed out my first app. I actually had to ask my mom, borrow a hundred dollars to actually get my app on the app store. Let's go. But it, it actually did end up paying off. That app did extremely well, hitting number seven on paid entertainment apps. And since I was only 14, I was, you know, still just getting into high school. I was still doing sports in my free time. So at a young age, I was already being an athlete and entrepreneur. And I just carried that and, and held that energy till now. Jay, I feel like so, so much work has to go into being an athlete and an entrepreneur. How I'm so impressed. How did you balance that? And what actually applied to both? Like, like what characteristics um, did you have to bring to both your athletics and entrepreneurship in terms of your strengths? Yeah, I think the two main things are having discipline and consistency and knowing that those small wins are going to continue to add up. Um, even though I think I move in in somewhat of phases to where, you know, I'll sometimes like in the like the end of the year, I'll be more of an athlete phase in the beginning of the year, I'll be more in the entrepreneurship phase. And then like just kind of balance those two out to where it's like you're kind of building a foundation and then 
you just continue building on top of that, right? You don't have to necessarily be 100% on both of them at the same time, but it's the, the fact of just being consistently adding on to that aspect of myself. Yeah, and I'm curious, like we've seen a couple of different pivots and I know you've been a part of several different projects and companies, a variety from things that you've started to companies that you've been involved in. What was it like kind of, and what prompted each each pivot, I mean, like and in general, right? Thinking about at what point did you feel like it was time to leave one venture and move on to the next or how you had learned enough and moved on to the next? I, I'm curious what kind of um, prompts those shifts for you. Um, the thing that prompts the shifts for me personally is if I think it's moving fairly slow, right? Like there's not enough that I can really take action on in this week or this month. It's like, okay, what can I really do to kind of shift or pivot this to, to so I can start taking more actions and, and executing more within this project? Yeah, I totally get that. And, and it's funny that you say, you know, oh, if something's not moving fast enough, because, well, we know you move fast enough. So <laughs> tell us more about that. So um, as you're, you know, you're training, you're spending all of this time as a high performance athlete, also doing this. I know recently you've gotten back into uh, the athlete, like, and I, I don't know how much you ever got out of it, but I know just your, I see you training all the time. I'm seeing your, your videos and all this stuff that's going on. What made you really want to dive back into, you know, really training and performing? Yeah. So when I stopped running at NC State, the beginning of my junior year, it was before they had switched to NIL rule, which is basically you can, you couldn't get paid from your name, image, and likeness. So this was one of the one of the few reasons why I left NC State is because I knew I had talents outside of just being a, a runner. And that's kind of what they, the box they wanted to put me in. Um, so when I had stopped uh, running that, that following summer, I moved to San Francisco and was working in tech and they actually changed the rule while I was like working with this tech company. So like, it was funny because I called up all my student athlete friends and I got them all paid sponsorships. It was like, a, it was a great time. Like, That's I think awesome. I might have set the record for like the first like NIL sponsorships ever. But um, that was one of the major core reasons why I decided to come back to a university and start training again. Um, because I knew that with consistent training and the, the brand that I had built over half a million followers, I could attract, you know, a, a huge contract if I were to run fast. So it kind of shifted my gears to be like, okay, what can I leverage here? And, you know, how was my training going? Because when I was, you know, working with these tech companies, my training wasn't as consistent as it was when I was in college. So I saw that and I saw what that was doing to my, my times. And I wanted to, to kind of fix that and, and be the, 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 new, the peak athlete I knew I could be. Um, and I still have aspirations to beat running the Olympics. So I decided to, okay, like I'm going to go back to school. I can still continue building out my app and I can still um, do my training in a more proficient way. Jay, you seem like one busy guy. Uh, I don't, I don't know how you do it. So, so tell me about the scheduling because I'm thinking about, okay, he's got to manage his time doing that, that, and that. Okay. How is he putting it all together? So can you talk about, cause we got a lot of uh, student athletes that might be listening to this podcast, right. Or people that are wanting to build their own brand in college, wherever they're at. So how do you, what's your biggest piece of advice for, for managing your time here? Yeah, so I have, a, I have a few pieces of advice. 
And one of them is building out your, your knowledge and awareness. So you, that way you can move efficiently, right? So I've been inside of the tech space and marketing space since 2014. So I've been able to build these certain skills to where it may take me an hour to do something that it may take somebody three hours because they don't really necessarily have the skill set. So what I would recommend is learning as much as possible, like learning and soaking up a bunch of information before you start an actual project. And then the second piece of advice is Google Calendar is my best friend, right? Like, because it, it, it really just emits the way to kind of waste time because you, you can block out literally each hour of your day, right? Um, and I don't, I don't have any hours in there for watching Netflix. I don't really have any hours in there for, you know, scrolling on TikTok. So it's like, even if I am scrolling on TikTok, I'll get a notification like, oh, you have this meeting in 30 minutes or, oh, you need to like message this person back or email this person back. I literally put every single task that I can inside my Google calendar. And I like to kind of schedule it out like a week or even maybe even two weeks in advance to where I don't forget anything. Like if there's an email I got to respond to, I'll put that in my Google calendar just in case, because if I'm like working on this assignment or if I'm training or if I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I can still get that notification like, oh, I'm supposed to email this person back, even though I said that like a week ago. It's like, it's like helping my future self, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm curious because I, I, A, completely resonate with like living in Google Calendar. Totally get that. And I'm, I'm very much in that world. So I resonate with that. But I, I was thinking about it. You know, you mentioned not having a lot of time to scroll on TikTok and do the Instagram thing. But I know that you're also putting out a lot of content on TikTok and Instagram. How do you balance that of like, I want to, you know, um, put myself out there. I've got content that I'm creating and things like that while not getting distracted with like being in the platform. Yeah. And that's honestly something that I'm still battling, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those platforms are very addicting, but the main thing that I see with my, within myself is when I am scrolling, it's also work because I'm saying, okay, if this video went viral, what made this video go viral and how can I even utilize this within my content? Or if this is a trending sound that I may be able to utilize for my brand, how can I think of an idea right now and put that in my Google calendar right now? Okay, make this TikTok with this sound, you know? Um, so those are kind of ways I kind of still stay productive if I do get caught up scrolling. But, you know, within making content, I will have to say like, you're like having support is, is huge. Like if you can have a videographer or you can have a friend that can help you record those things are huge within like creating a lot of content because, you know, it's one thing to, to hit record yourself and record yourself and make a bunch of content and edit it. But it's another thing when you have somebody there that can follow you around and then re press record for you and like help you and then push more ideas inside your brain. So I would say support and, and also making my, my scrolling productive. Heard that, heard that for sure. And I love the strategy or at least the, the intentionality behind that. Um, obviously, you know, you've built a following of over 500,000 on TikTok, you know, what did day, what take us back to early days, you know, for someone in the audience that's saying, Hey, I, I want to share my story. I want to, you know, bring the positive energy. I want to bring a message to the world. You know, what was day one like for you and how did you get started with the, the content that, that and building the following that you have now? Yeah, so as I when I started off, it was more of being the the person that I needed when I was younger, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you see within TikTok, the younger kids they're on TikTok, they're not on Instagram, they're not on Facebook, oh yeah, on YouTube, but like for their social media, they're mainly on TikTok, right? So there's a lot of 
things that they soak up that may be common knowledge to me and you as like young adults, but to a 13, 12, 14 year old, it's like, oh my God, like this is profound, right? Yeah. So like when I started off, it was just giving really basic speed tips or tips on how to be a better high school athlete or be a better college athlete. And just providing that value to where somebody would want to actually want to watch that whole video because they're actually getting something that can they can utilize within their life. Um, and then I use also certain psychology things that I've learned throughout the years to have people watch the entire video and have that retention high and to feed into that algorithm. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm curious for that part uh, with the psychology side. So can you give a little a tip there with what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you want to catch somebody's attention in the first few seconds of the video. And that's whether that's having text that, you know, is uh, enticing to somebody or just jumping into the camera like you have some very exciting news like the facial expression and how you're even producing yourself you don't want to just like sit there with a straight face and just like talk about running fast you want to jump into the camera like and be like oh I'm this type of person and um, some things I also do is like just add that validity factor of like showing um, the end, the end goal. So like, for me, it was like track. So I would show me running in a track meet and beating everybody. And then be, then being like, this is how I was able to jump out of the blocks and do this and do that. And I saw those videos would definitely take off. Um, and then also within the certain trends on TikTok, right? So people are hearing these sounds that they maybe have heard repetitively. And if they're going viral, they're more prone to watch a video that they already have um, a cadence of hearing, right? So they already kind of know what that video's context is going to be just from the sound, right? So these are like small things that I utilize within the platform to, to kind of help me grow. I love it. I love it. And Faith, thanks for asking about that. Because yeah, just getting in that world of what is social media, what's working and kind of um, being able to grow that following, grow that brand. I know it's something that's just so many students are thinking about, right? Thinking about for themselves. And like Jay, I know you've had, you know, several, several um, ventures of your own and been a part of several ventures as well, you know, between, you know, here and being in San Francisco and curious for you, do you have a favorite out of the things that out of the projects in, in entrepreneurship that you've been involved in? And I mean, what would you say are some of the big takeaway lessons that you learned, especially kind of pushing yourself outside of, you know, Raleigh and, and moving, you know, across the U.S.? Yeah, for sure. I think um, the two main projects I'm working on now have probably been my favorite. Uh, yeah. So that's Pillar, which is basically empowering creators to monetize without any other hands in the pot, right? So with Pillar, you can, you know, have requests, you can sell digital products, you can sell um, like um, an online meetup, you can basically monetize your whole following, and you can show all of the the content that you have on various platforms. We also give creators a media kit to where they can get more brand deals and show their engagement, show all the statistics that brands want to see and get them, you know, higher paid brand deals. So it's giving power back to creators. And I think that's the future because everybody wants to be a creator nowadays, but I also believe that it allows people to actually have their passion as their occupation, which I think is a wonderful thing. And I think everybody should be able to do so. Um, and then my, my app High Frequency Highway is in an, another way that I'm kind of empowering people to take advantage of the human body's potential 
right? Because we, we have auras that emit that we can't really perceive. And there's a lot of things within the unseen spectrum that we don't necessarily utilize. And my app utilizes sound frequency that allows you to kind of change your state and take control of your narrative. And we educate people not only on frequencies themselves that we utilize, but also the other things within the metaphysical space that we can't necessarily see with our eyes, but has effects on our reality. And I think empowering people like this to kind of take um, the full human body potential will be the future of society and, and who is really uh, doing great things in, in this world. Um, and then your second question was my, my main takeaways from like living in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I got from living out there was everybody's winging it. There's not a secret formula where somebody's just so much more intelligent to where they can raise 5 million or they just have this excellent like resource that allows them to be better than you or these other people, right? Everybody um, is going through human stuff, right? Everybody has to just go to sleep at some point. They're all eating. They're all getting the same research from the same sources. Like it's just how much you're executing and taking action on what you believe is true, right? Because it may not necessarily be the, the perfect truth, but if you believe it's true and you're taking action on it time and time again, you're probably gonna be ahead of the next guy that just is not taking any action, right? Mm -hmm. So from being out there and being around people 21, 22, 23, raising millions of dollars and seeing it firsthand, I'm like, yo, these people are just like, you know, my buddies in Raleigh or myself, where it's like, they're just go-getters, but you know, people, they're just taking more action. They're, they're emailing more people, they're, pushing out more code, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're actually taking those uh, actions that put them in front of the right people. Totally. Yeah. And I love what you said. Everybody's winging it. Like that is so true. And especially like, I think the younger that people are, it's been my experience that it feel the more it feels like, oh, like everyone around me has it together except for me. Right. And I'm the only one that doesn't have it together. Right. And every stage of the game, it feels like, okay, yeah. Like, oh, am I the only one who doesn't have it together? But then we realize like, okay, we get more exposure to other people around us that are just like us that are still figuring it out. Like I always make the joke that adults are just kids that like pretended to figure it out until they got to adult. Like that's basically like, yeah, that's just, how it is. Right. Like they're just acting as adults. Now. You know what I'm saying? Like these people are normal people, like just being around people that work at Tesla or Facebook or Instagram. Like these people are just normal, regular people that, you know, they, they just have a certain skill or they're executing in a certain different way than somebody else may. That's it. Yeah. And, and that was, that was a huge game changing perspective for me when I realized like, okay, if I'm getting on a sales call, right, as entrepreneurs, right, we're getting on sales calls, but then it's like CEOs, or it's like heads of X, or, you know, VP of this, and you're like, oh, like, I'm so nervous. It's like, well, no, like, actually, once you start treating those people just like normal people, then you get so much more comfortable, and you have, you're able to have that open and candid conversation, right? And so, um, yeah, no, definitely resonate with that. Uh, I'm curious, like, as you've gone through these stages and different steps, like, uh, are you, have you felt really confident all along the way? Have you felt the imposter syndrome and felt like, oh, like I, I shouldn't be here. Like what, what's that been like as you've journeyed on through entrepreneurship and, and athleticism like, and your athletic journey? Um, I would have to say when, when I stopped being a student athlete and got the job in, in San Francisco, I was 
like before I moved there, I was like, oh, like, am I really ready for this? Like, am I like these other people that are out here building these, these major tech companies getting funding for millions? And when I moved out there, like the first week or two, I was like still getting used to it. But then I started to realize like these people are just like me, you know, they're all just go-getters. They're all just winging it. And um, I would say I have bits and pieces of imposter syndrome um, throughout my journey. Uh, but I always tend to kind of fall back on like a, a foundation that I've set within myself. Um, I, I, things that people don't really know about me is when I first got to college, I did a lot of research within, you know, psychology, within just being a human being and like really taking, you know, what we have as a human and applying that in many ways. Like I would listen to a lot of Tony Robbins stuff oh, yeah. or Gary Vee or just these people that I saw as like life coaches, big life coaches. And I would always just utilize that because I knew that within business, you need to kind of you need to have this certain like physique about you, right? You can't, you, like, if you're going to be a boss of somebody, you kind of have to be grounded within yourself. So mm -hmm. I've kind of, when I do even run into imposter syndrome, I don't believe it's like as bad as some people have it because I always have this foundation of, you know, who I truly am and what my goals are, right? So, you know, and within athleticism, I never really had imposter syndrome because I've always been kind of athletic so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that well and and even you mentioned like having people that are so much further along than you that you can kind of look up to and see their journey and learn from were there any people that were really influential or any mentors that you had that were kind of like close in your life that you were learning from directly on a day-to-day -day basis um close in my life I wouldn't say necessarily honestly um yeah. But I will say that, you know, what you, what you see and what you hear is your reality, right? So if you're a quote unquote loner and you don't really hang around people, but you're sitting here listening to Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, and other like, let's say David Meltzer, these people, these are your close friends now, because these are the only people that you're hearing. These are the only people that you're, you're kind of in your reality that you're really like absorbing. So you kind of then start reflecting that within your reality. And that's something that I noticed once like COVID hit and I wasn't necessarily being a student athlete anymore. And I was only kind of tuning into this tech space and this business world. Like when I moved to San Francisco, I kind of had this just like a different like aspect of me, right? Yeah. Where I was like, dang, like I kind of know all of this, um, this knowledge within business, like all these other people, but I've only, you know, been in business for like a year or two now, right? So it was kind of cool to, to see that. And I would say to anyone out there listening, like your circle is who you're going to be. So if you can't really find people in person, go online and find mentors there. Like we, we live in this beautiful age of information where we can just access all these intelligent, you know, successful people at, the, at our fingertips. Take use of that and definitely take advantage of that. Jay, I'm curious for, for how much you've grown over the last few years, especially what are you trying to pursue right now in terms of like your personal development or what areas are you trying to explore to learn more of kind of in this current and next season? Um, so right now I'm heavily into track because I've been able to build a, a huge following around the sport and 
I see myself as a huge advocate of, you know, this discipline and like within athleticism, but just in life as a whole, because being a track athlete, you use your whole entire body and your mind. Like it's a, it's one of the most like mental sports I think there is out there. So I've really been focusing in on track and just learning how to be more disciplined within my mind um, and having that mind, body, spirit connection and like that flow. Uh, those are the things that I, I'm like mainly focusing on learning right now, honestly. Love it. And I, I love the the discipline at the core of that, right? Of the, the mind, body, spirit, and being focused on not only how can you achieve that level of discipline, but then also being able to share it. I mean, I'm thinking about what, what are some of the core things that you feel like out of your kind of personal brand and content that you put out there, what are some of the things that resonate most with your audience when you're putting content out about it? You know, I, I know there's a lot of the skills stuff, but is there any of that kind of like personal development stuff that you find resonates with your, your athletic audience? Um, as for the personal development aspect, I would say, I guess you could say like going, going hard, like over, like mind over matter, right? Mm -hmm. Just, you may feel fatigued, you may feel like you can't do something, but you're, you're probably, it's just your, your mind, you know, like allowing these intrusive thoughts in, but when you kind of can go above that and push through and do the things that you may not want to do is when you're going to reach that, that new level of success. So I think that definitely resonates within my audience. I have this saying called fear is an illusion, right? It's just false evidence appearing real, right? That fear of something is not necessarily real because if it's a, if it's a true fear, it means you, your mind is just making it up on the spot. Like, oh, I'm scared that this may or may not happen, right? But when something actually happens, that's when it becomes an actual like pain or hurt or something like that. But the actual fear of it is an illusion in your mind to where like if you're if you're lining up for a race and you're you're have a fear of losing, you didn't lose yet, right? That's that's just an illusion that you, you're 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 scared of. And if you can overcome that and you can uh, level up your mind to a level where it's like, okay, I don't really have these fears. I'm you're gonna execute on a higher level. Jay, it's so cool hearing you talk about this fear is an illusion. Um, when has there been an example that you did that? Like what was the, what was the big, biggest example for your personal life where you did um, a mind over matter type thing? Um, I would have to say when, uh, just off the top of my head, like when the high school state meet, um, I, I had to run the 300 meter dash and throughout the season, I had only ran it once or twice. And I didn't really train to run 300 meters. The furthest I was really training for was hundred meters, but I knew that if I were to win the 300 meter, we would win the entire state title. Right. So there was a guy that was ranked like number one or number two in the nation that I was going up against. And, you know, here's me that barely even ran this. But I was like, okay, I got to win this for my team. I had already just ran the 60 meter, already ran the long, did the long jump. So I was like already fatigued and tired, but I was like, okay, I have to execute here. And it's only 30, 30 something seconds of my life. If I just go hard these 30 seconds, I'll be a champion and my whole team will be a champion forever. And I ended up pushing through and actually winning the 300 meter and actually set the, the um, 4A state meet record, which still stands today. So I 
I didn't only just beat him. I had to literally beat the entire state meet record to beat him. And this is something I didn't even train for. This one I was really, uh, like, really was like, okay, like, our mind is so powerful. And even when I ran number one in the nation, that was only my my second year ever running track and field. So the first year was my junior year, and I was fourth in the state. And then the next year, I would always just look at the number one times in the nation and just be like, I can get there. I can get there. And just believing in that and and training and consistently believing that I will be number one in the nation. And then when it actually happened, I was like, okay, you're, you, you, you combine your mind with your work ethic and anything is possible for you. Combining mind with work ethic. That's awesome. Is, is there one piece of advice that you would share with students that are like, I'm trying to believe I'm trying to stir up that belief in myself to get where I want to be, but it's not working. You know, I'm like trying as hard as I can. Um, what would you say to them? What's one piece of advice maybe around that topic or, or just anything in general? Um, I would say one, you're probably not trying as hard as you can because as like me, as I'm all these elite things that I'm doing, I never really think that, you know, that was my absolute best, right? I'm always, there's always that room for improvement. And two, I would say have goals that evoke emotion. Right. So have a goal that you can actually feel and, and resonates within you, because once that goal evokes emotion, it'll make you take the actions you don't want to do. It'll make you do the things uh, when you're tired or when you feel like you can't anymore. When you have that goal that is really evoking that emotion, it'll it'll really change your entire life. Like I'm, I'm a huge goal setter, huge person believing into like manifesting and creating your reality because I've seen it time and time again for people and myself. Oh, it's so powerful. And yeah, really, I mean, that is so true. Like just the idea of us focusing on those goals. And, you know, we talk about writing down goals. We talk about just having them somewhere where you can see them and think about them. And when it's those things that we focus on, those are the things we're going to gravitate towards. So it's so true. Um, man, the, the time flies on these things. Jay, if people like uh, you, they like your journey, they love the content that we're talking about, and they want to see more of you, where's the best place to go? You can find all my social links on my pillar page. So if you go there to pillar.io slash Jay, you'll be able to find everything about me and all my social pages. So Definitely. There we go. Shout out Pillar. Uh, not right, sponsored, out Pillar. <laughs> just phenomenal. Um, we'll leave that link in the description as always. So you can check out uh, Jay's Pillar page there, find all of his links, uh, socials. Um, Jay, phenomenal conversation. Thanks for bringing so much actionable uh, advice to the table today and, and just bringing your, your life experience. And, um, and I'm excited to, to continue to follow your journey. Um, really appreciate you. Appreciate you for having me, Parker. Of course, of course. Um, well, cool. And uh, if you're listening, again, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Best way to make sure you get uh, the update every week when we put out a new episode. And then follow us at Dale Carnegie East NC for the updates, the clips, the content there. And uh, thank you so much, as always, for watching, listening, subscribing. And we will see you next week.